Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation live podcast. I am your host, Leanne Jesus, and the new reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with Janie Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Leslie Pool Girl Nicholas. Today, we're going to talk to Stacey Gearhart, the GM of Raypack and Commercial Water. I want to welcome everybody to our live podcast. Before I do that, I want everybody to take a minute, adjust your phones and your computers. You are hearing correctly. This is the girl day. This is not Edgar de Jesus. The podcast where it's all pool talk and we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dassing. We are talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Before we get started today, I want to thank you, our sponsors for this podcast, Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, Blu-ray XL, Aquastar Pool Products, Natural Chemistry, Raypack, and Heritage Pool Supply. We want to thank them for their continued support. They have been awesome. I'm sure everybody's so confused about <laughs> what's going on today. The boys are out. We have taken over. We started our trend day before yesterday with a meet and greet with a bunch of women at the Heritage facility. And then we did a women's summit yesterday all day long. All girl power. There was a lot of man hating in the for, <laughs> for the men we had sitting in the back, and it was fabulous. And we just wanted to kick them out for one more day and get them out of the studio. So, good morning, Leslie. How are you? I'm excited. Great. And Stacy, welcome again. Good to see you from yesterday. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Let's talk about the Ladies Summit from yesterday. I remember when Edgar asked me, hey, can you join in? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll participate. I'll show up. <laughs> Had no idea there was going to be roughly 100 women committed to going. And then the content was fantastic. So what were your guys' thoughts about what you saw and experienced yesterday? It was an intimidating group of women. I was just sat back and got to meet quite a few ladies, but it was a really good time. Your piece was just full of great information. Zach's definitely excited and interested in taking your three-day course. You put out a lot of valuable information as well, and I just had a really good time. I tell y'all over and over, I'm just always impressed when I show up to these events that I think are going to be a little less than they end up being. When I show up and I'm like, how did you do this? I felt like it was a really good time. It's still Zach's hobby, right? Yeah, it's, it's the whole, yeah. hobby, and it just turns into these like big crazy things. I just like, what is this? You're like, you're so cute. It's such a cute hobby, yeah. and then it show up and it's massive. Yeah, just these like big crazy things. The food was awesome. I cannot believe that facility. I was blown away. By yeah, the Heritage really showed up in support yeah. of the Women's Summit. Yeah, was, that was just super awesome that they let us use that space. Just take over the space for the day. And it was two perfect. Days, the mm-hmm. 
setup was absolutely perfect. I couldn't have designed it better myself. No, that was really What was nice. your thought, Stacy? Oh, I thought it was incredible. I had no expectations going in, and I was blown away. They weren't low like Leslie's. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm always no. pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, right. This is right? great. I go no expectations. It's much easier. There, you're right. <laughs> and then I don't have to be sad before I go in. Go in underwhelmed, come out. That's, that's right. <laughs> no, it was incredible. The number of people that were really engaged, the content was fantastic. Good. The guest Good. speaker was amazing. Everything was phenomenal. I was really impressed. Leave it to a bunch of women to launch an event that we all have a good cry. Oh, my gosh. What In was the that? beginning? <laughs> right. That was tough. Let's just get the good cry out of the way. Let's just knock it out of the park. And then we rounded out with a good cry because my husband decided to get up there and tear <laughs> emotion out of me, too. Yeah, so. I wasn't prepared for that at no. all. That <laughs> yeah. was the best way to end, though. Seeing a man cry. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm sure all the women are like, yeah, take that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a lot of great partnerships formed. I don't know that I've seen an MC as amazing as Alicia. Oh, she was She's so good. She's so awesome. She really is. Where was it that all of our guys went to her training recently? It was the Southwest Pool and Spa Show, I think. They went on and on about Alicia for days. Even still, if you ask them about that show, they're going to talk about Alicia and her training. And I had the opportunity to sit through one of her trainings before as well. And it was really just full of great information. And she's very engaging the entire time. It's amazing how natural she is with it. And then, of course, Edgar brought up later, she was taking notes throughout all the presentations. And you saw how well she tied it all together at the end. I'm like, I just get sucked into the presentations. I'm not thinking about what I got to do next. And she was completely tied in. She did an amazing job. I haven't seen anybody that hasn't encountered that woman and just been impressed. She's done a phenomenal job. I loved it. It looks like there was a lot of good friendships forged from people that hadn't crossed paths before and interacted. So it was great to see all the bonding that was going on. But I think my favorite part was the man-hating towards the end. It was really <laughs> I did give the guys credit. They sat back and kept their mouths shut. and Took it gracefully. Yeah, they whined a little bit about it later, but they're okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get started. And I think let's get started with, I'm going to start with Leslie. I want to hear a little bit about you because we've had you on once before and you were remote. So give us a little background about you. I think the older I get, the more boring I get. I've been with Zach and I's relationship-wise. We've been together for 10 years. I've been with the Pool Boys since 2013. Before that, I had a background in the Navy and then some oil and gas recruiting and stuff like that, recruiting geologists and geophysicists and whatnot. But as far as now, we've tailored my position and I've pulled back to the point where I'm doing the financials, keeping track of our accounts payable, accounts receivable, handling the books and payroll and stuff like that. And aside from that, I'm a stay-at-home mom. My three kids, I really love it, and I'm happy where I'm at right now. And Zach's like, are you coming back anytime soon? (laughs) I'm like, not at this current time, but we do have a new lady in the office, Aubrey. She's doing amazing, and I'll probably go back a few days a week to help coach her and guide her, but she's really gotten into the position and just ran with it, and she's doing a phenomenal job. I'm really excited about where she's going to go with us, but I'm pretty boring right now. There's not a lot to say, I think. Just, I'm not going to let you get away with that. I know, you're not. Okay, <laughs> and I called you out a little bit yesterday, too. I'm like, you're this phenomenal woman. I think people don't assume that you have a military background, mother of three, co-owner of a very successful, gorgeous business. We we saw what that looked like at the boot camp. Amazing. I'm going to give you a little jab and you need to start giving yourself a little credit. You're a powerhouse girl. 
Zach kind of gets frustrated with me because he's like, when you get an idea, you're hyper-focused on something like you achieve it. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just content right now. And it frustrates (laughs) him because there's nothing that I'm really wanting to get into at this point in time or to push myself forward on. I do get hyper-focused on things and kind of push us forward. I've worn a lot of different hats in the pool boys. We weren't always doing maintenance, and I pushed that to get started because for me, it was very frustrating. We were getting a lot of phone calls, and we're just like turning people away or giving them to other companies, which is fine. But I'm like, that's the main thing we're getting phone calls for. We really need to take advantage of that. So we started the maintenance route in 2018, and I really think that's helped us to grow, not just grow as a company, but grow in our local area. We've managed to pull back from the north side of Houston or the west side, and our route, I think, is... Within five miles, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and which I thought was a great thing, but our guys tend to complain about it sometimes because I didn't think about the fact that they're in a neighborhood for the entire day. There's (laughs) no escape from the heat. There's no driving by a gas station to cool off or anything. I think they hate that sometimes. It's efficient. Yeah, it's very (laughs) efficient. It's very efficient. Right? Time effectiveness, for sure. I had to give you that jab, right? I wasn't going to let you get away with it. Yes. Okay, good. Now it's your turn. Let's tell us about yourself. (laughs) Like we talked about yesterday, I have been in human resources for about 30 years. I knew when I got into it, I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. And it is a full-time job, and I love what I do, and I do what I love. But aside from that, my real job is I'm the mother of four, and Edgar and I have been married for, I know, it doesn't feel like forever. I'm just going to tell a quick story. We just had our 21st wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Not too long. It It was August 3rd. And I'm sitting in the office and I'm working and he comes in right in my face and gives me this really serious look. And he's like, Leanne, I'm like, what? Happy anniversary. (laughs) And I absolutely, we forget. We jointly forget. It's a thing we do together. We forget our anniversary. We're just not that couple. We spend, I think, every day making sure we have a good marriage. And so we enjoy it and have a good time. And we don't care about Valentine's Day and wedding anniversaries. It's just not a big deal. We have four amazing kids. And it's fun to watch them get through every phase of their life. They're all in different stages because they're all spaced out. It's a lot of fun and it's a lot of work. My HR career has been in... Primarily, it used to be hotels, and then I worked for Disney, and it was more in labor relations, and now it's in JCPenney, and I head up supply chain. And talking yesterday about being in a primarily male-dominated world is normal for me. I feel like that's where I've always been. But I've always had a strong personality, and I don't feel like it's ever affected me. In fact, it's probably more works against me than for me because the men I support a lot of times love the fact that I'm strong and I'll give them my opinion. I'm transparent and I do what I got to do. And they love that unless I have to do that to them. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Now it's not okay. It's okay. I'm okay with that. So I'm very comfortable in my skin. You know, if I could say anything to the women out there, it's the same thing. And I've developed and mentored a lot of women in my career. And I did the same thing to you yesterday. I'm like, loud and proud, girl. Just be loud and proud and do what you got to do. Just be you. So that's really it for me. Human resources is my passion. Love my family. So proud of them. So happy to have the blessings that we've had in life. And I do have a very supported husband that takes a lot of crap from me. So he's, <laughs> I've got him trained really well. On that note, you had somebody <laughs> ask, is Edgar included in the child count on the child? <laughs> five. Thank you for calling that out. Yes, that's Edgar. five. It's funny because he is that guy. So, you know, I remember going into Target and I'm like, where in the kids? because he's racing them in a shopping cart. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, there's all the kids. So yes, obviously people know Edgar well enough to know that he is in the child count. So it's five. 
Good question. <laughs> Stacy. tell us about you. I'm also married. My husband is extremely supportive as well. We've been married 17 years now. Yeah, so it's been a long time. But we're both from a very small town in Michigan. So I'm a Midwesterner by upbringing. And have we moved down to Atlanta about 11 years ago. And then we moved to California, actually, at the beginning of this year. So we've made our tour around the country a little bit. We have two kids. My 13-year-old son is very much into football these days, and he's very much a 13-year-old boy, so he can be a lot, but wonderful all at the same time. And my 8-year-old daughter is probably the most creative human being I've ever met in my life. I so, want that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have any of that. <laughs> I don't know if I had that when I was a kid, but definitely wasn't to this level. I don't have it. Yeah. I appreciate it. I do When too. other people have it, I'll pay for it. I just don't have it. <laughs> She's the kind of kid where you don't buy her a toy. She creates her own toys. And so it's a lot of fun to watch. Don't yeah. you just wonder, what is she going to do with that when she gets older? I do. There, there'll be no stopping her. I know. I know. I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, so. when they've got that creative gene, it's there's no limit to what they'll do. Sometimes you wish there were. My daughter, Tristan, she also asked me to give her a shout out. She will pick up trash off of the playground and turn it into something. Yes. She's got this glove thing. I think she named it Diddle or Doodle <laughs> or something like that, that she's turned into this little thing with eyes that she glued on and stuff. Yes. Like, can we just not do trash? I like, can find <laughs> other things to turn things into. But we, we can create a support group on this. I think... <laughs> We go to playgrounds and I'm like, no, that yeah, stays on the ground. And yeah, or you'll pass a trash can and she'll be like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, we are not at that point where we have to drag stuff out of the trash can. And we're not taking home every rock yes. from the beach. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, so. My kids want to collect animals. So oh. that's a, yeah, no. No, that's terrible. No, I, I have that problem yeah. as well. We have two cats and two dogs, and it's crazy, and that's enough. Yeah, um, I was going to say, we don't have enough children. So we have <laughs> a dog for every child that we have, and the dogs are way easier and nicer half the time. There's always that. So, Stacey, tell us about how you got into the industry. I've been in manufacturing my entire career. I started my career as an engineer, actually. So I'm an engineering There's degree. The, one of those female engineers I'm always looking for. One of them. Yeah, I, I can't engineer anything anymore, so you don't <laughs> want me. I can tell you that. I was an engineer for just maybe three or four years and started in the automotive industry. Being from Detroit, that's where you work. I did that for a little while, and then I spent some time at Whirlpool, which was a really great experience to shift into the business side of things, away from the engineering side, and really think about the customer and the total business. And then about 10 years ago, I was hired in at Ream, and just earlier this year, in January, I was asked to lead the Raypack business, Raypack and our commercial water business. And so that's how I actually entered the pool industry. Although in the last few years, I've spent quite a bit of time with the Raypack team developing product strategies and making sure that we had the right product plans and we're launching wonderful products to the marketplace. So I've touched the industry, the pool industry a little bit. Not until January was I able to actually really immerse in it. It's been very interesting to learn about. I was going to say, what are some of your initial impressions of what you've seen from the, because you're new into it. What are some of your initial impressions? It is a very passionate industry. (laughs) There's no question. That's a great word. It is. It is in in such a great way. We meet people who have spent their entire lives in pool, and it is amazing to hear all of their experiences and to just hear their passion for growing the industry, for making it better, for doing all types of things. And I would also say my initial impression is it's a very pleasant industry, which I've not always participated in very pleasant 
different industries. So <laughs> that's been a real positive for me is everybody I've met in the pool industry is interested in meeting other people in the pool industry and interested in just making the industry better, which oh, I think is phenomenal. Great. That's yeah. good to hear because I know when Edgar first got into the industry, which by the way, just for the record, I've always fought him trying to suck me into it. So I, I still keep that on the top of the list of things to do. So when he first got into it, we had a friend and I'm sure a lot of people have heard his story, but we had a friend that was a neighbor and decided to work with him and get into the pool industry. It didn't fit his personality. It didn't fit what he really wanted to do because it was a little bit negative. People weren't helpful to each other. They weren't nice to each other. And there wasn't a big customer service focus either with the people he had initially started interacting with. And he came from hotels, which is very customer service oriented, right? So he just said, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be for me. And I'm like, the need to make it the way you want it to be. Thinking about how he did it with his pool business and now what he's doing with Pool Nation, it's nice to see that we are seeing a shift in the industry the way that he'd like to see it be anyway. And I'm glad to see that he's had a part in doing that with Pool Nation. So it's kind of nice that you're even seeing some of that. So I'm glad to hear that. It's definitely more of a recent change. I can remember when it was just Zach and Justin and there wasn't a lot of of camaraderie or inter-exchanging of information with other pool professionals. And there was very few other pool companies that he would even talk to. And now Zach's getting bogged down on a daily basis from phone calls from other companies asking for advice or help. And we're constantly referring to other companies with no problem. We're full right now. Try these three companies. So it's definitely been a shift within the past few years, even on our side of it. But what are your roles and responsibilities on a day-to-day basis? What does that look like for you? Every day is different. (laughs) That's my kind of day. Yeah, It's my kind of day too, actually. I love the job, but every day is absolutely different. I think my roles and responsibilities go from making sure that production is running and that there isn't major supply chain issues or any kind of safety issues or anything like that, all the way to what's the strategy for the business and are we growing and are we headed in the right direction and are we making the right investments and then everything in between. I would say... Majority, which will probably resonate with you, majority of my time is spent on people things because... Because they're so easy. <laughs> exactly. Just say what you want. That's what they do. That's, that's so far from the truth. Now, the people side of things, I think, is how you get things moving in the right direction. And if you can get teams motivated and built up and headed in the same path, down the same path, you can actually accomplish so much. So I do spend most of my time on that versus maybe some of the more tactical things. But of course, every Every moment is different. I can be in 15 meetings in a day, and which is fun. Yes, can be nauseating. (laughs) It's so fun. But each one is different. Many of them are not related. And so it's an exciting way to spend my day, for sure. But it's also a great way to just stay in touch with everything that's going on and keeping things moving. It's funny that you say that because we even talked about that. We touched about that a little bit yesterday because we got a sense from some of the participants in the Women's Summit yesterday that there's a lack of getting everybody to go in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because that is one of the harder things to do. First of all, senior leadership has to align on what that direction is, right? Sure. Yeah. So that takes a little bit of movement. And everybody knows that's usually one of the toughest parts. 
let's align on where we're going, but then really getting everyone else to understand what that is and how to do it. I think it gets lost in the how sometimes. There was a lot of interest in that yesterday. So it's clearly not a singular problem. It is really everywhere of getting everybody to understand the how behind we need to end up here. I think for smaller companies, it's even realizing that having a direction and figuring out what that is one of the keys to success. Like you need to not just be going through the day-to-day, okay, we're here, we're cleaning pools, we're making money, we're paying the bills, we're here, we're cleaning pools, we're making money, we're paying the bills, but we need to have a direction and we need to figure out how to get from point A to point B and even determining that let's set smaller goals along the way and meet those. I think that's what helped us in our business growth is just that aha moment that Zach had where he's like, okay, we need to have a direction and we need to have a path and we need to follow those little steps. Y'all are obviously heavy hitters within much larger companies, but I think a lot of our pool pros that are getting to hiring that first employee or that second employee, learning that you need to have goals is really going to drive your business forward. It's all the same. And it's not even just having the goals set, but reminding people over and over again what the goals are and how you're going to get there because you can't just say it one time. Eight times eight ways is what I say. Oh my gosh. Eight times eight ways. Yeah, eight eight would be great if it was just eight. (laughs) (laughs) I was just being hopeful. But yeah, yeah, eight times eight ways because you really can't. And we talk about that a lot with our people too. You've got pool pros in your business and they see it as I've got this many pools I got to get done. And again, not realizing that it's not just getting those done, it's getting them done at a certain quality level for your business and a safety level because there's a big safety aspect in that. And people hear things differently. So when you do eight times eight ways, it's like what resonates with one does not resonate with another. That is one of the bigger problems. And usually your people are your biggest expense. And that's when it's going well. They become even the bigger expense when they don't go well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit yesterday, too. The cost of turnover and training and things like that, it really gets a lot of added expense. And our goals, small business or big, it's to bring it as much as you can down to the bottom line for sure, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was eye-opening. Actually, your numbers is related to what it costs turnover. To, to, for turnover and to rehire. And at the low end of the organization, it just gets so much more expensive as you go up. I wrote it down. It was in my book. <laughs> You're like, here's what we're wasting. That's right. I'm telling it up on the plane <laughs> ride go. home. We've worked the numbers several times. I've got a guy in my team that actually built a spreadsheet or algorithm, and he tested my numbers, and they were accurate. And yeah. he's, he's, I just thought they were too high. And he tested me. He's like, oh, God, they're like spot on. And it's because we've worked these numbers over and over, and it's the reality of it. So it's expensive. Hiring the right people, training them, giving them the right tools and resources, all of that has to come into place. Stacy, what are some of the key strategies? I know we still talk about stuff that happened in COVID, but in business, we all made a big adjustment during COVID and we had to put some strategies together during that time. And then some of those strategies are still lingering because we've had to continue to use them, whether it's because the great resignation, we had to really figure out how to hire and retain, we had to engage, we have to develop we have tools and resources. So what are some of those tactics that you employed during COVID that took on many changes and that you're still seeing success from now? I think that's a great question. COVID for us as a world opened up our eyes that we need to be very empathetic 
towards our employees and towards each other, which is, I think, one of the greatest positives that came from COVID. And as a manager, as somebody leading an organization, recognizing that people have life inside and outside of work and that empathy is what really is going to help them stay engaged is one that I think I continue to employ today. When we had to go virtual completely, that was a big challenge for connection and collaboration between people. And I think that became a big gap for us in how do you get people to work together and become teammates. So you had to be really diligent and deliberate about it. And you had to bring people together and force people together in ways that we didn't have to do before because it was a lot easier to just walk down the hall and have a conversation. I'm finding we still have to do that, and it's a good thing. It's actually a a very positive thing is how do you deliberately bring people together so that they meet one another and that they collaborate and that they work on things together and learn from one another. If we're only learning from ourselves, we're only going to get so far. So doing that, I think, is a big one. And the last one I would say is, at least for our industry and for our company, we learned to plan better and to contingency plan better. And that to me is (laughs) new. I know, right? (laughs) When things are going great and everything's quite predictable, you don't have to do that much planning and contingency planning. We learned that, that we cannot predict the world. We cannot predict the industry. We cannot necessarily predict what's going to happen from a people standpoint. And contingency planning is a big one. I think it's really important. And some businesses are better at it than others, but it's eye-opening for us to look at that. Yeah, it's funny because, again, the work I do now is in supply chain. Back then, before COVID, most people didn't even know what supply chain was. It was really just an unspoken thing that just magically things just show up and nobody ever questioned how or why. (laughs) And even now, you're watching supply chain. Supply chain ended up on the news every day. And I'm like, oh, I miss the days when nobody even knew what supply chain was because everybody's talking about it now. So important. And they're still talking about it. And some things that we really figured out, again, I love what you said about empathy because that's true. There were so many things that we had to really appreciate and understand about our associates in their personal worlds. But what they want in a workplace changed significantly. Oh, for sure. It used to be when you talked about benefits, they wanted health and dental. And now benefits is flexible scheduling and more personal time. And I think that work-life balance thing became more of a reality. It used to be just a buzzword. And then it became a real thing during COVID because people realized, hey, it's cool being home with my family at dinner. Yeah. Seeing everybody. Right. Having yeah. That time. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then companies, I think, had the reality. We were actually having active conversations prior to COVID about, we should give our employees some more flexible schedule. Maybe they can work from home on a Friday. We had senior leaders that are no longer with our company, but they're like, oh no, that can't happen. They won't work. You can't trust them. There's no way. And then you forcibly have to send everybody home and trust they're going to run the company and they're going to keep the wheels on. And they did. And I think they did more so, they worked harder. I know I did. We worked harder than we did when we were in the office. So I think there was a new trust that was built and we knew that we could trust people to keep running the business and doing it even better than what they did before. And again, the contingency plans we had before, if a building shuts down because of weather or whatever, we had these contingency plans. Now we had to do it for everything and we just weren't ready for it. 
You've heard the build the plane as you're flying it. That's what we were doing. (laughs) It worked. Somehow it worked. And I'm glad that it's over. But we had a lot of learnings. I was curious about what yours were as well. Yeah, I can imagine that being in HR and or being in supply chain during COVID were probably the absolute (laughs) worst jobs. They were. I was fortunate enough that when I got kicked out of the office and we got stuck at home, I felt like I was in one of those solitary confinement prisons where they open up that little window and food slides in. (laughs) Edgar would slide me food and water from time to time (laughs) in those first like couple of weeks and month. I'm like, all of a sudden food would show up and my employees, when I'm on a call or whatever, they're like, are you having lunch? I'm like, yes, just magically appears. (laughs) Thank God, because I can't leave this room. (laughs) It was so busy. It was incredibly busy. You brought up another good point yesterday during your bit at the Women's Summit about working on your bench. And I think that is just an invaluable bit of advice right there, even just to have people think about, oh, you need to have your next person and your next people. And that's something on our level that we struggle with because, you know, we need to have backup people for when somebody's sick or somebody quits or somebody's on vacation and it's okay. Are they writing double? Well, now they're doing more pools, but if somebody's not there, you know, how do we, they can't handle all the pools by themselves. So that's something we've struggled with trying to figure out a plan for. I mean, I don't think a lot of people put a lot of thought or time or effort into that. And it is super important to any organization to have those backup people. So I was really impressed with that little bet that you had. Yeah, there's an investment there, Mm -hmm. right? Companies Companies have to commit to yeah. You got to weigh your options and say, okay, how much money are we going to spend, and where's the value there? And and it's there. You just got to really find that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Stacy, what's one of the things that you've done that you're particularly proud of in your success? Prior to taking this role, I had the fortune of leading our decarbonization efforts at Ream across the globe, across all of our businesses. And first of all, it was a total business initiative, setting a strategy and getting an entire organization the size of ours on board, headed in the right direction and headed all together is an enormous feat. I still look back and I'm a little bit surprised that we made it as quickly as we did. But I had the opportunity. Decarbonization is not just a trend, but a necessity in this world today. And I have really been proud of our organization and the fact that all the products that we make make a big impact on how much energy is consumed in the world and the fact that we want to take a leadership position in that space and really make an impact on the world and how much we can help save the environment is huge. And so I'm very proud of the fact that I was able to lead that effort for Reem and really get involved in all of the different businesses across the globe in building up our product plans and our go-to-market strategies to lead in that space and own that. Not because it's necessarily the biggest money-making opportunity, but more because it is the right thing to do and it's going to make a big impact on the world. And so I look back at that and I think that was probably one of my proudest moments. But also when I left that in January and came to this role, I was able to leave it and know that it was going to continue moving without me, right? (laughs) which is, I can't say that for everything that I've I've done in the past. So I was very excited about that. And it'll be something that I always... That's amazing, first of all, because that is a big feat. Yeah. 
And I think another one of those things going back, unfortunately, to COVID. Remember when we were shut down? I don't know if you guys remember watching how clear the water got. The oceans cleared up because there wasn't big ships going through it and people weren't at the beach. And the amount of electricity, we had international buying offices and there's always so much heavy smog over our India area and there was no smog. And it was like in such a short period of time when people stop killing the planet and doing so much fuel in the waters and things like that. Amazing how fast it clears up. So when a company commits to really using their resources wisely, that's amazing. And it's not a big thing to take on because there's so many elements that come into to making that happen. And then you built it so it's sustainable. So when you're not there, somebody's still making sure <laughs> exactly. it goes on. Exactly. Yeah, that's also not an easy feat. No, but definitely one that I'll always feel is one of the greatest impacts in my career. So because I'm HR, I always ask the same question, but in the reverse. (laughs) So when you look back at your career and you have to say, gosh, if this is one of my biggest failures, and I like these because you learn so much from them, and we talked about that a little bit yesterday, what's one of the biggest failures that you've really learned from and have been able to apply your learnings? It's hard for me to say failures because I truly do look at everything as a way to learn, right? Every failure has it's an opportunity has yeah no, progressed I, I don't think it's a for. buzzword yeah. either but yeah <laughs> but i think of some of the bigger mistakes that i've made maybe in my career and they probably all get bucketed into one specific area which i would say is when i've moved forward with a decision that i knew deep down was the wrong decision but i did it because of either peer pressure or to hit a timeline or to make people above me happy. Those have been the greatest mistakes that I've made. I look at those and I think I don't have one specific one to draw off of, but I think if you bucket them all together, the biggest learning for me has been, I think we know what the right thing to do is all of the time. And so we make decisions every single day on whether or not we're going to do that. You get put in more compromised positions the further you go in your career. It becomes more and more of opportunities to make the wrong decision that you knew was the wrong decision. So for me, the learning is if you have to trust that gut feel, you have to know if something doesn't feel right. You have to find the right ways to push back on that using facts, figures, data, relationships, whatever it is. But if you do that, you're going to be much happier at the end, right? I love that. And the courage to do it. And the courage to do it. It takes a lot of courage. Push back. That's awesome. That's a fantastic answer. I think it's time to take a word from our sponsors. So we're going to cut out for a few minutes and we'll be right back. Thank you. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. 
Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at blu-rayxl.com. Blu-ray, all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing needs 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Natural Chemistry, a leader in specialty water care solutions for over 30 years, is proud to provide products that make pool service easier than ever before. Its unique enzyme formulations in Pro Series Pro Blend improve efficiency of your pool program while reducing frequency of filter cleaning and scum lines. Natural Chemistry is also well known for its wide variety of phosphate removal solutions that include a non-clouding formula in phosphory and extremely high range removal with Pro Series Foss Remove or Foss Free Max. Save time, save money, save work with Pro Series products. Stop sacrificing durability or efficiency with the help of Raypack's new Avia HD models that utilize NITEC, their exclusive industry-first technology. NITEC Heat Exchanger Technology is Raypack's latest solution to superior strength and maximum efficiency when it comes to residential pool heating. With 900% more nickel compared to Cooper Nickel in critical surfaces, NITEC creates an ideal surface to protect against scale formation and erosion without compromising on Avia's 84% thermal efficiency. Learn more at raypack.com slash nitech. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for the word from our sponsor. By the way, I did want to mention, we do have a live studio audience today. Leslie, being her first time in the studio, is doing a phenomenal job being live with a, a full-on studio audience. But during the break, when we have a studio audience, I actually learned a little bit more about our two panels here. One of them used to be a prison guard for a man's prison. Guess what? It's my friend Leslie. <laughs> 
You conveniently left that. That's a big fact. How did you leave that out of your background? It was like a seven-month stint when I was 18, and it was a not a good idea. It I can't imagine this beautiful woman being a prison guard in a men's prison. Yeah. One of my friends was doing it, and she was like, it's great. I'm making all this money. And I was like, sure, I'll try it out. And I did it, and I was like, this is a really depressing environment, and it didn't make me feel good at the end of the day. So I did it. For about seven months, and then I joined the military because that was a better option. That's like the yeah. best. Yeah, it's definitely a better so. option. Yeah. That's another good excuse of a reason why you don't do what your friends do, <laughs> yes, just because absolutely. they tell you it's a good this, idea. This is absolutely. Leslie's answer to the greatest failure. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Your, yeah. What is your greatest yeah. failure? I was a guard in a man's prison mm-hmm. at eighteen years old. Yep. Oh my God. So thank definitely you for Zach for telling secrets about Leslie that I did not know. <laughs> I'm like, how did I not know that? That's insane. So moving on from me, um, (laughs) what were some key moments that got you to the level that you're at now? It's interesting to look back on your career and just because every moment gets you to where you're Mm -hmm. at, right? But if you look back and you think, what are a couple of things that really catapulted my career? I would say, like I said, I started my career as an engineer. And what's interesting is I was in my junior year of college and said to myself, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) But I also wanted to graduate college before 30. So I thought, okay, I'll just finish this out and see how it goes. I decided about three years in that I was right. I didn't really want to do that. And I went back and got my MBA and made that shift into business, which I think, and I did it full time. And the reason I did it full time is I wanted to make that career switch. I wanted to really immerse in the experience. I wanted to get as much as I could out of that couple of years and build many relationships and friendships during that time. That to me was a big move into the path that I took after that. And another one I would say is when I came to Ream. I left my previous company 10 years ago and went to Ream. Reem had called me. I was looking to leave, but I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. And I was very much a cog in the large public corporation wheel and really knew how to do that. Safe space, too, safe right? Space. Easy to get in there and safe space. Yep. And when I went to Reem, I made a very conscious, thought-out decision to leave the public sector, large Fortune 100 company, public sector, to go to a private company that had a lot of growth potential in front of it, but also had a culture that was focused on building and developing talent internally and one that was invested in me. And I think that was probably one of the greatest moves in my career because I went from my previous company, I learned a lot of how to do things just from a tactical standpoint and different parts of business. And when I moved to Ream, I learned how to be a leader, which is quite different than learning how to do all the day-to-day work. How to be led. How to be led, (laughs) how to lead, how to coach, how to develop. And that, to me, they gave me the freedom to be me. They gave me the freedom to learn and to make mistakes. My leadership was very much behind me and there for my success. So I look back and I think that was actually probably one of the greatest decisions I could have made in my career because it allowed me to grow at an accelerated rate and really just expand my horizons very quickly. So you make it sound so easy, but it's not. Oh, it's so easy. Yeah. (laughs) You make it sound so easy. I think that takes a huge amount of courage, and that had to be terrifying. 
So how did you work through that thought? So I think that's what holds a lot of people back. It's really hard to make that kind of a leap. Yep. It's terrifying. Yep. When I was in recruiting, they used to say that changing jobs, changing career paths is like one of the biggest decisions and life-changing events next to like a divorce yeah. or having a baby. So it really is a hard, you're shaking up your security. You're taking a leap of faith that this is going to work out and be a good decision. It's true. I was going to ask what attracted you about Reem or what attracted you to Reem, but I think you answered that already. Yeah. I have somebody asking a question here, and I don't know if you're able to answer it or not, but will Raypack be expanding their Crosswinds heat pump line? Oh, yes, actually. We're expanding that in the next month. Oh, I don't want to give so any dates away, but in the next the month, press. yes, nice. yes, we will be. <laughs> There's information here. Constant innovation going on, yes. Yeah, so in the next month, we so should So not see girls something. gossiping, hot off the press. There you go. I love <laughs> it. I love yeah, that. Yeah, Straight exactly. Straight information. That's right. From the Pool Nation news desk. <laughs> so you have your team here, beautiful I ladies do. here yes. with you. What are some tips and tricks that you use to mentor your team? Mentoring is, I consider it a privilege to be able to mentor people and to be able to build people at lower levels in the organization up. I think one of the things that I've learned over time that is helpful for mentoring is starting with listening and asking questions. It's actually then becomes reciprocating mentorship. And so when I ask questions and I start by listening, I don't start with answering questions I think they're going to ask. I start with hearing what they need to know and what they want to build on and then answering those questions or helping them with that. And so the more that we can be good listeners, and which by the way, I think is why women make great mentors is that we do have a tendency to listen more than talk. I think that has been one of the things that's really been helpful from a mentorship standpoint. The other thing is being transparent is important. And as a leader, you have to decide how transparent you can be my HR friend here, <laughs> smiling, yep. how transparent you can be, but you want to be as transparent as possible, I think, because misleading people or sending them down the wrong path because you didn't say something or keeping information for yourself because you want to see somebody learn the hard way, I think is the absolute worst. So what I try to do is I try to be as transparent and open as possible with my mistakes, with decisions I've made with things that I'm personally struggling with. And I think that helps because we're all people, we're all human. There's no difference between me and somebody 20 years earlier in their career. It's just how much experience I have. And the more I can share that experience, the quicker they'll learn and better they'll be when they get to that point. Well, and you're teaching them the art of transparency too, right? And I think companies have gotten better about it. I've worked for companies that are very closed-lipped and don't want anybody to know anything. And so when you don't share the narrative, they make the narrative up themselves, right? Absolutely. Which is never the correct narrative anyways. I love the art of transparency. I employ that myself with my team. And I encourage others to always do the same things. So I agree with you. It's 100%. They'll make it up. If you're not transparent and let them know, here's what we've got, here's where we're going, or even here's what I'd like you to change or do differently, right, right. then they have to make it up and it just doesn't work. It's just not an effective way to go about. Did you have something, Leslie? I'm just going to piggyback. I had touched on this before we got started. And it's something that we've struggled with personally in our company. And I just 
don't even know where to start to attract more women into our positions that women don't typically do that I wouldn't want to do myself. So I don't know how to be like, come do this job. It's great. I would never do it in a million years, which will be great (laughs) for, you know, we haven't had very many women apply for pool maintenance technicians. I know they're out there. We see them with other companies, but I don't know how to get them to join our team or to even be interested in this role. And I didn't know if between y'all's years of experience in different industries, working with different types of people, if y'all had any advice for us or for other companies out there on how to attract the ladies. Let's start with Stacy. Sure. I think diversity attracts diversity. So if you're not a diverse company, it's going to be very difficult to attract diverse talent. But then that's a chicken and an egg thing, right? Yeah. So <laughs> bit of a challenge. I think getting out there and showing the diversity is probably a good way to start. And also specifically going after particular types of folks that you want to bring in, I think is helpful. But I think that diversity, it's a challenge. It's a challenge within women in specific organizations. It's a challenge because there are things that women believe they should be headed towards and there are things that they don't even look at. And so being somebody from a STEM background, I have a lot of passion in getting girls and young women to explore and look at engineering fields or mathematics fields because it's not a natural thing for them to look at when they're younger. And I think the greatest thing we can do is just show women that they have a million opportunities and there's so many things that they can do. And as a company, you want to show that, hey, you're supportive of diversity and that you can offer them all kinds of growth. And I think that's one of the biggest ways to do it. Yeah. And I think putting my HR hat on, the first thing I would do is you said a lot of these companies around you have women working for them. I'd go after them. Oh, Zach would not want to do that. I don't care. (laughs) I'll talk to Zach. But you want to go after them because if you're sitting back waiting for them to come to you and they don't know why to come to you because you haven't had the opportunity to really get out there and be with them and and tell them what you have to offer and, and what it's like to be a woman in your company and what you can do for them and their career and their growth and things like that, they're just not going to show up. So you have to go after them and do that. And I think really understanding, like you said, you don't want to do that job in a million years, but what is in it for them? There are people that do like that kind of work and they do want to do it. What does the pool boys have to offer for them? And I think that's what we, and I mentioned it yesterday at the summit, our senior leadership at my company is all, for the most part, it's more diversity in women than it is white males. And to Stacey's point, diversity drives diversity and it attracts diversity and and you have to be very intentional. And I say this to a lot of our leaders, you have to be very intentional about what you're going after. And that doesn't mean it's 100%. I'm in a room full of men most days, I'm the only woman in there. And similar to Stacy, I work for a company that loves diversity. They live it. They breathe it. They truly understand the importance of it. And they know what women can do for the company. They truly believe it. And you know they believe it. They're not just trying to check a box or hit a number because there's companies like that too that know that they just want to check a box and hit a, a ratio number. And that's just, you can feel the difference when you're a woman in a company that truly honors female leadership. Yeah. The thing that I would say is 
harder than attracting diverse talent is retaining it. it. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely retaining. And so you have to make sure that you've got good opportunities for growth for young women, if that's what you're looking for. We had the exercise yesterday around updating your LinkedIn profile. I told these ladies not to update theirs. That was my retention. (laughs) (laughs) That's not for you. (laughs) In fact, we've blocked you from having access (laughs) to LinkedIn. Sorry. Um, Yeah. Honestly, it is a tough thing to do because you have to not just show that you're going to do something, but then actually see it through and challenge your diverse employees who are looking for the challenges. And it's a bigger challenge. Yeah. And knowing that what people want and need are different. Mm-hmm. The needs of your average male employee are going to be different than the needs of your female employee. And I'll go out on the HR limb. So when you're in a stationary building, especially in a lot of our buildings, we have private areas where we have designated for women to go and do nursing if they have to breastfeed or whatever. How do you do that in a pool company when they're out in a truck all day? You have to go expand your viewpoint and be different. Set yourself apart from your competitors because they're probably not thinking about what do we do about nursing mothers because they should be able to have this job too. How do we do that? So you got to check through what all different women may need. Yeah, and that's something we've addressed as we've needed because we're fairly small. We have 12 people within our company. We're not a huge organization that can just set aside funding and have these things because it's it may not be used for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. But just as they pop up, we address them. But we have had very few women apply. We have had even fewer women show up for interviews. And I've just always wondered, how do we do this? Now, Stacey, if you were to go back, and I, I think they asked a similar or same question yesterday in the panel, but this is usually a different audience. If you were to go back and talk to your 20-year-old self, other than maybe not focus on engineering. <laughs> right, right. Although that probably served you well. I'm going to say that. I'm Absolutely. sure that served you well. Absolutely. What would you go back and say to your 20-year-old self about getting yourself to where you are now or to avoid some of the things that you wish you could have avoided? It's a great question. I think I would wrap it up as don't be afraid. Now, I would say I was probably... Less afraid at 20 than at 30, (laughs) to be honest. The older you get, and then there's a cycle, right? You're not afraid, then learn a little bit about life and become more afraid. Then you say, why was I ever afraid? But I look at the fear that I may have had around, am I going to achieve what I want to achieve? Should I speak up? Should I challenge things? Should I ask questions? Should I take risks? All of those things, if I could tell my younger self, don't be afraid and trust yourself, that's what I would say. Sometimes those things just come with age, but I also see a lot, quite frankly, in the generation behind mine that that fear is not as natural, which is fantastic, and I love to see that. I wish I had maybe been born in that generation because I think I would have been even less afraid going forward. But that's the thing. And I would say that to every woman anywhere. And we had great conversation yesterday where there are women who are pretty far in their career still sitting in rooms afraid to speak up, still sitting in rooms afraid to ask questions or to challenge things, afraid that they don't belong there. The imposter syndrome thing that came up. Do not be afraid. We're all here for a reason, and we all have a lot to offer. And so that would be what I would say. So don't you love the opportunity now that you can just demonstrate that, not only for your team, but for your daughter at home? Absolutely. Because I do that with, and sometimes I just want to shake them, but I try to do that (laughs) for my daughters too, because especially as a female, I don't want them to be 
passive in what they can do and don't be afraid. And I do the same thing as I keep doing to Leslie. I'm just be loud and proud, get out there, try it. All you can do is fail. And all I say to them is fail fast. If you're going to go out and try something, go ahead and try it, do it, get out there. And if you're going to fail, you're going to fail fast. You're going to learn faster. I love that answer. And I think showing that off for your team too is even better. And I think one of the reasons I see that kids now, like the generation that's not as afraid, they're exposed to so much more with all the social media. Just the seeing and hearing and experience and seeing things that they get. That's how I see is that and they can multitask better. Those are the two things I think have come out of, <laughs> for sure. out of that social media, the positive. Yeah. Because for the most part, that's really been a big shift that I've noticed in social media. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So I've got a good question pop up. What type of professional investments have you made in yourself that you would recommend young professionals to follow? Mm. Certainly the MBA. And that was a big risk, a huge risk. With um, a lot of money tied to it. With a lot of money tied to (laughs) it. For somebody who was making money and then to stop and then just only spend money. Like I said, I'm from the Midwest, so you don't do that, actually. (laughs) That's not a thing. You work really hard and you earn your money and you only spend a lot less than what you earn. Yes, exactly. So that was a big risk, but it was an enormous investment. And I would encourage anybody who is looking to enter the business space to really think about that. I make a lot of investments just in my own learning. I do spend a lot of time reading books about business, but also books about how to be a better person, philosophical books, things that just open up my mind. And I think those are the ways to just continually invest in oneself. And you also have to take vacation. So going someplace and just disconnecting from who you are and deciding consciously you want to come back to that person is important. You've got to take the time off. It took me a while in my career to learn that the amount of vacation you're given is the amount of vacation you should take. And today, I don't struggle to take my vacation. (laughs) I'm never going to hear the end of this. I read a lot of romance novels, and my (laughs) husband is always like, you need to be reading these books and this and and bettering yourself and all that stuff. I'm like, I like my romance novels. Leave me alone. And now he's going to be like, see? (laughs) I told you. So thank you for that answer. And then I think just adding to that, the importance of making sure your team takes their time off too. That's been a big thing. There's so much where you get to the end of the year and everybody's got so much time and you're like, there's a reason that you're given this amount of time. And that really is the amount of time that most companies believe you need to decompress. And it's to keep yourself centered and healthy and ready to go. That's a good like, message for everybody. Feel what you're working for, too. Yeah. Like, you spend all your life working. Go take a break and just enjoy living a little. Exactly. For sure. Which we never do, but <laughs> <laughs> you should. Definitely should. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about your risk. I'm going to keep going back to that okay. because I think some of the thing that holds a lot of people back is taking that kind of risk that you took. That was huge and it was very brave. And again, to your point, you went from making money to I'm going to make a conscious decision to not make money for a while, which I'm assuming took a lot of planning to get ready for that, right? for sure. Yep. So how did you talk yourself through the pros and cons of that and really get to that portion of, I'm going to do this? And obviously you had to have a strong support system in your spouse at the same time. Yeah. So I'll start with the negative part of it. I was going to do that. And my dad said, 
that is a stupid decision. Oh, they're way too conservative, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a stupid decision. Now, I'll fast forward to where we are today because I worked at General Motors. That was like, you yeah. aspire to work at General you Motors when you're from Detroit. You were born and, yeah. and raised in Detroit to, to go to General Motors. <laughs> exactly. Fast forward maybe five, ten years later, and even today, he says, that was probably the best decision you've ever made. So there is a positive. You have a total, yeah. and I told you so in there. Good for you. And I've kept it to myself. <laughs> you're saving it for later. <laughs> you're a bigger lady than me. There you my favorite thing yes. to say. <laughs> but I have used it as a coaching tool because what I have learned is that no matter how close you are with people, if you know what's right for you, you have to do what's right for you. Nobody is living your life. You're the only one. Your life shouldn't look like anybody else's life. When I made that decision, it was a hard one. I was dating my husband at the time. He was very supportive. And he actually went back to school full time, too. So we were very poor, which was <laughs> a, a really good experience. It, that's even more brave. Yeah, very poor. But for me, I knew I had a vision of who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do in life. I knew I had to take some risk to get there. And you can't just live in a very cadenced bubble and achieve big things. I do know that. And so for me, I had to put away anybody else's opinion about what was the right decision to make and really think about, was this a step I needed to take to achieve what I wanted to achieve? And then I trusted myself. And really, there's been many times in my career when I changed companies, changed positions, I had to take a leap of faith that I was going to do that well and trust myself that was going to be something that I would be successful with. And also, if I wasn't, I would be okay. And telling yourself that is important. You'd own it. Make that decision and just own it. That's inspiring. And I think coming off of the heels of the Women's Summit, that's like the best. If we could have just coined all that yesterday, it would have been perfect. Like, <laughs> all right, ladies, this is all you need to know. Right. <laughs> so that would have been ideal. Yeah. <laughs> she just makes it look even easier. So this is all you need to know. Just go out there, trust yourself, live your life, be you. And then it takes huge risk. And you're risking, I think, looking at that risk and now using it to guide and mentor your own team is even more inspiring. Yeah. And it's important to support people so that they feel like if they do take a risk and it doesn't work out well, that there's somebody there to help them get back up on their feet. And we just don't do enough of that for each other. And sometimes it takes even verbally just coming out and saying it. I know this is a risk. I'm here for you if it doesn't work out. And that goes a long way. Yeah. And I think there was a big common theme about that yesterday, right? Let's hold each other up. Yeah. Let's the watch ladder. out for each other. That's yeah. What Alicia the did Alicia. With the, the notebook. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Let's hold each other up. Let's be there to support. And I think when you do something and it doesn't work and just owning it, but then knowing that you've got a good support system behind you to help lift you back up again is going to be, that's what I think we have to be there for. So I'm going to try to say something, and I hope I say it well, because it's just forming in my mind. But with the Women's Summit and Pool Nation and the podcast and all of the various guests, and you ladies in particular, the information that comes from y'all's just wealth of experience and knowledge is invaluable to anybody listening. I know Zach has called you repeatedly over the years, and just the information that you provided to us just alone in our company, and it's I'm always just blown away, and I say it again and again, by what Pool Nation has provided and just the resources that they pulled together. But just even getting all the ladies together, and it's just, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's just 
I hope the people listening are realizing the information that y'all are just giving away for free, just from your experiences alone. It's really valuable to everybody out there listening to these lovely ladies sitting here because y'all have just been through so much and gone through so many different positions and encountered so much in your careers that people may never get the opportunity, but that they can definitely learn from. And I just thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to sit here and go over these things and answer these questions from the people listening or to just us that we're having during this conversation. Thank you. I actually find it fun to talk about your past experiences. And I like learning from others and their past experiences as well, because that's, again, how we grow and develop. Mm -hmm. But thank you for saying that. That's very nice. (laughs) So I guess piggybacking on giving advice, what is the best advice that you have received in the industry or any industry, really, that you've been in during your career? Partner up with Pool Nation. Is that- <laughs> that's actually that's gave me that advice. advice. <laughs> Good great advice. Great advice. <laughs> I think one piece of advice I got maybe two years ago from somebody who I used to work for who retired. He told me this, and I thought at the time, I was like, that's good advice. And then I've really internalized it for the last year and a half. Be where your feet are. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, that means when you're at home, be at home. When you're at work, be at work. That on the surface right there is very good advice. When I've internalized it, I think it really means much more than that, which is life is about prioritization. If you've chosen to be in a particular meeting or in a particular discussion with somebody or you've chosen to be at the kids' football game, that's where your attention should be. And for so many reasons, life is about experience. And if you're not actually experiencing what you set out to experience and you're trying to, you talked about the generation of multitaskers, you're trying to multitask too much. And by the way, this is absolutely a challenge for me every single day. It's not an easy thing to do, but you need to consciously choose. I've prioritized. This is how I've decided to spend my time. And now that's how I'm going to spend it because you get so much more out of the experience, so much more out of the dialogue, so much more out of cheering for the game, so much more out of spending the time with your kids, so much more out of listening and contributing to what the topic is. And I think it it continues to be a real challenge for us as we get distracted by so many things. Cell phone is always there and it's easy to constantly fall behind on email. But I try every day to live up to that advice. I am sure I always fall short, but I think it's probably the greatest is just be where your feet are. And I take that like literally every day I think about it. That is fantastic. I feel like I, we should make a shirt. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Let's exactly. do that. Or a coffee we, cup we, or something. I like coffee cups. Or all the above. <laughs> uh, that's a great way to land us before we take another minute and hear from our sponsors. And then we'll come back. We'll round up with final thoughts. The Hyperpole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. 
Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at blu-rayxl.com. Blu-ray all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pro's time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Natural Chemistry, a leader in specialty water care solutions for over 30 years, is proud to provide products that make pool service easier than ever before. Its unique enzyme formulations in Pro Series Pro Blend improve efficiency of your pool program while reducing frequency of filter cleaning and scum lines. Natural Chemistry is also well known for its wide variety of phosphate removal solutions that include a non-clouding formula in phosphory and extremely high range removal with Pro Series Foss Remove or Foss Free Max. Save time, save money, save work with Pro Series products. Stop sacrificing durability or efficiency with the help of Raypack's new Avia HD models that utilize Nitec, their exclusive industry-first technology. Nitec Heat Exchanger technology is Raypack's latest solution to superior strength and maximum efficiency when it comes to residential pool heating. With 900% more nickel compared to Cooper Nickel in critical surfaces, Nitec creates an ideal surface to protect against scale formation and erosion without compromising on Avia's 84% thermal efficiency. Learn more at raypack.com slash nitech. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So let's go ahead and go into final thoughts. I'm going to start with you, Leslie. I knew you were you going to knew do it. that. Let's see. Final thoughts. My final thoughts are going to be based off of just the whole weekend, I think. Like, it was a really good time. And as I've told you repeatedly, I'm very shy, naturally. You have to force me to I get out of the house. I that going forward. You do. Like, <laughs> I the just, things I've learned about you. I just like to be home and with my little family group. So being in a room full of just very well-educated, powerful, well-spoken women is very intimidating to me. But I thoroughly enjoyed 
the whole time, just meeting and listening and being able to just rub shoulders with ladies such as yourself is just a real treat for me. So I thank both of you for your time, especially because I know y'all are very busy women. I had a really good time and I just love all of the opportunities that I've been afforded just from being with Pool Nation and allowing myself to be included in these events is just always such a really good time. So thank you. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Stacy. what about you? I'll comment on the week, too. It was incredible. It's always incredible to get women together in a room talking about things that are common challenges and really talking about themselves and how they want to grow and getting advice from one another. I always enjoy that. It's hard to hear how many women who are very successful still feel like they're not as good as their male counterparts. And for me, I cannot accept it. I should have had you at dinner with us last night. Yeah. I went off on that one too. Good. So yeah, okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll take over the world. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I'm very passionate about women bringing their absolute best every day and just being who they are and loving that and knowing that's an enormous contribution. So the more that we can encourage that in one another, the more that we can do events like this, the more that we can have conversations like this, the quicker that will happen. And I'm super excited to be part of it. And I look forward to just seeing how the, how the whole industry changes over the next several years. Yeah, I think we're going to be in for a lot of shift of changes. Some of my final thoughts are, I'm not sure how my husband continues to suck me into the pool industry because I keep refusing. <laughs> I think you're like a permanent screamer now. And, I don't so think forth. you're getting out. But luckily, he allows me to still stay in the space that I'm passionate about, which is human resources. And that's growing and developing and really helping people be their best self. And I enjoyed being there yesterday and really to your point, hearing these women and seeing a lot of the things. I think they talked a lot about their struggles, but I love that they had solutions and we were providing a lot of solutions and avenues for them to try and take and really apply. And I know Edgar's social media was blowing up. I fell asleep. I don't know how long he stayed on there checking all that stuff, but then he woke up this morning reading more of it to me. And it was amazing just to see the need for this information and the need for these women to come together and really pull their strength together and at the same time pull their willingness to support each other. Because I think to your point, we don't go out and say, try that. If you fail, I'm going to be here for you. Just know I'm here. We don't do that enough. I don't think that's just inherently how we talk or how we put things out there. And I think my challenge to women is we talked about find somebody to mentor you, but then find somebody that you can mentor also because every woman has something to offer others. We all have experiences. I've never been in the military. I never want to be in the military. Those experiences could be great. And you had a good comment yesterday. Those experiences could be great for other women to learn what you've learned. So I think for my challenge for women out there is to grab a mentor and then grab a mentee. Yeah, for and sure. And get out there and do that. And I am going to share with you at dinner last night, I was doing the same thing. I'm like, I'm so surprised that all these women felt so challenged by their male counterparts. I'm like, I don't actually see it so much as a gender thing. I'm like, just get out there yeah. and take it on. And sometimes you got to challenge some pretty difficult women too. So it's not just we have to get past some of these men to rise in our companies. We got to get past some of the women that aren't performing. 
and we got to do the same thing. I'm way more intimidated by women than I ever am by men. <laughs> really? like, absolutely 100%. I would much rather be at the boot camp, opening pumps up and everything like that. That's my comfort zone. That's because you were a prison guard. Well, you <laughs> exactly. throw me into a room full of exactly. women and I shut down. I'm like, oh, I don't want to embarrass myself. I'm sure that's here, exactly you know? why. <laughs> I have one more question that I think both of you could probably handle very well. In all three of your opinions, oh, okay, all three of us. Okay, in all Step three it of up, your Leslie. opinions, from a leadership point, of view. Which is more important to focus on, culture, metrics, or operations? Okay. Do you you want me to go first? Yeah. Culture. A hundred percent culture because culture drives metrics and operations. If you don't have the right culture, the metrics are wrong, the operations are inefficient, it's all culture. I was going to say, on the count of three, let's say it together (laughs) because I knew you were going to say culture. (laughs) I absolutely knew it. And we said it yesterday, focus on your people Mm -hmm. and they are going to take care of the business. If you don't have people, you can't grow. That will all drive the culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you, ladies. It has been an absolute true pleasure to have you on. So fun to be doing this without the boys. I've done it with the boys. Love having the girl power in the room. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Pull Nation and all the listeners. It's been a fabulous day. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry. A pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com. 